Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we thank you for having brought us up again. We thank you for having allowed us to see another day. You've given us opportunity to bring our lives under alignment, how to maintain equilibrium with your word. Oh Lord, as we open your word, we pray that you help us live by every word that we will read today. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen. Our High Calling, September 16. The Sacred Temple of the Body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 that perfection of character which the Lord requires is the fitting up of the whole being as a temple for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God will accept of nothing less than the service of the entire human organism. It is not enough to bring into action certain parts of the living machinery. All parts must work in perfect harmony or the service will be deficient. It is thus that man is qualified to cooperate with God in representing Christ to the world. Thus, God desires to prepare a people to stand before him pure and holy, that he may introduce them into the society of heavenly angels. We have been entrusted with the most solemn message ever given to our world and the object to be kept plainly and distinctly before our minds is the glory of God. Let us take care that we do nothing which will weaken physical, mental or spiritual healthfulness, for God will not accept a tainted diseased, corrupted sacrifice. Care must be exercised in eating, in drinking, in dressing, and in working. Lest we detract from our efficiency and fail of doing our most exalted work in the best manner, in order that the results of our labor may be as lasting as eternity. It is our duty to train and discipline the body in order that we shall render to the master the highest possible service. Inclination must not control us. We are not to pamper the appetite and indulge in the use of that which is not for our good, simply because it gratifies the palate. Neither are we to seek to live by the starvation plan, with the idea that we shall become spiritually minded and that God shall be glorified. We must use the intelligence that God has given in order that we may be perfect in body, soul and spirit, that we may have a symmetrical character, a well-balanced mind and do perfect work for the Master. 
the sacred temple of the body, must be kept pure and uncontaminated, that God's Holy Spirit may dwell therein. Amen. The title of our devotion is The Sacred Temple of the Body. Have you ever seen your body as a temple? What is a temple to start with? These are the things that we'll be looking at in this devotion. As a reminder, the purpose of life has to be in our minds before we can understand why we are talking about the sacred temple of the body. Genesis 1.26, the Lord said that he made us to be in his image and likeness. But this image and likeness of God was lost through sin. And the great object and purpose of life is that this image of God and his character should be restored back to you and me. This is why Jesus died on the cross. To restore man back to his original state when he was created in the image and likeness of God. In the form and character of God. Education, page 15, paragraph 2 says, To restore man in the image of his maker. To bring him back to the perfection in which he was created. To promote the development of body, mind and soul. That the divine purpose in his creation might be realized. This was to be the work of redemption. This is the object of, the, of education, the great object of life. End of quote. Here in this reading and in the Bible, we see the same thing. That the purpose and object of life, seeing that it is to bring us back to the image of God, that means we must promote the development of body, mind and soul. Our bodies must be restored to perfection. We cannot talk about restoration to the image of God without focusing on this, our physical body. We were created by God physically perfect and spiritually perfect. And that is why we must concentrate on what true perfection is. What is perfection? And what is the object of God, the will of God in our lives? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. The will of God is my sanctification, your sanctification. Ephesians 5, reading from verse 25 to 27, tells us the purpose of Christ coming to die on the cross. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that is, died on the cross for us, the church. It says, what was the purpose? That he might sanctify. There's that word again. This is the will of God concerning you, your sanctification. How does it happen? Jesus died on the cross, verse 26 of Ephesians 5, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Those two words, please take note of them. Sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. That is verse 30 now. For we are members of his body, 
and of his flesh and of his bones. We the church are part of Christ's body and he wants to cleanse us, sanctify us. But what is he cleansing us of? We saw that the way he does it is through the word. So by taking heed to God's word, the word of God is cleaning us. That's why when you read the book of John 15 verse 3, Jesus himself said, Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. The word of God sanctifies. John 17, 17, sanctifies them, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. But what does the word say? How does it sanctify? It is by taking heed to it, by listening to the word of God and bringing it into practice. That's how we get sanctified. Now, another very important Bible passage I want us to look at. How do we get perfect? Remember that the purpose of life is to bring us back to the perfection that we were in. When God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect in body, soul, and mind. But that was lost. And we had to come back to the perfection. And that's why we read in Education, page 15, paragraph 2, to restore in man the image of his maker, to bring him back to the perfection in which he was created to promote the development not just of soul and spirit but also of the body so that the divine purpose in our creation will be realized that's the purpose of education and the great object of life now take notes that the body also is to be restored and the bible says so when we read the book of second corinthians chapter 7 reading from verse 1 It says, Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So from this passage we see clearly what it means to be perfect. Second Corinthians 7, reading from verse 1, there it tells us, there should be a cleansing, not just of the spirit, but all filthiness, uncleanness of the flesh. Perfection doesn't just have to do with our mind, but the body and the mind are connected. And as far as the body and mind are connected, you cannot have perfection of your spirit, cleansing of the mind without cleansing the body. A very good example for is, is alcohol. When someone takes alcohol, what happens? Can the person have a mind that is clear? Can this person's spirit be perfect? We are told, therefore, since we have these promises, I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, that we should cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, why is God saying this? The reason is found in our key text, 1 Corinthians 6, reading from verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is the reason why the body, this physical body, must be cleansed of all filthiness of the flesh. If the body is not cleansed, the Spirit of God cannot dwell in us. This, your body, 
the organs of your body, your heart, your liver, your kidney, your skin, your blood and all its facets, white blood cell, red blood cell, platelet, your mind, your brain, your eyes, all parts of your body and its physiology, the arteries, the lungs, all must be in a condition where they are clean and healthy if you must have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. There are things that we do to the body that makes it unclean and there are things we do that keep it clean and God has given instruction, I want to dwell in you, the Spirit of God wants to dwell in you and if he sees any unclean thing, he will not dwell there. If the Lord cannot stay in an unclean environment, is it in an unclean body that he will stay? Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 23 reading from verse 9, I will be reading from the new english translation it says when you go out as an army against your enemies guard yourselves against anything impure if there's someone among you who is impure because of some nocturnal emission he must leave the camp he may not re-enter it immediately you will see why very soon when evening arrives he must wash himself with water and then at sunset he may re-enter the camp then look at this one now. You are to have a place outside the camp to serve as a latrine. That's verse 12. You must have a spade among your other equipment. And when you relieve yourself outside, you must dig a hole with the spade and then turn and cover your excrement. Why? For the Lord your God walks about in the middle of your camp to deliver you and defeat your enemies for you. Therefore, your camp, now take note, this is the camp, not the body. Your camp should be holy. If you read it in the King, in the King James Version, in verse 14 there, it says, For the Lord your God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you. Therefore, your camp shall be holy. So going, it says, Therefore your calm should be holy, so that he does not see anything indecent among you and turn away from you. In the King James it says, so that he does not see anything unclean in thee and turn away from you. My brothers and sisters, I am not making this up. God is a clean God. If your environment is not clean, he cannot dwell there. What more when your body is not clean? perhaps you are not excreting like you should and there's so much feces inside you. Your blood is not clean. Your mind is not clean. Your skin is not clean. Your body, outer body, your liver, your heart, your lungs are not clean. Do you now see why God is very interested in us cleansing our bodies of all filthiness of the flesh? 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 not just cleansing ourselves of the spirit, but he says, clean your body inwardly and outwardly. And he has given instruction. One of the ways that we get unclean is fornication. And that's the key text for today. 1 Corinthians 6, reading verse 19 and 20. The context there was fornication. Fornication makes us unclean. And the spirit of God will not be able to dwell in us. You see, this body indeed is a sacred temple. And God has used the temple of the Old Testament then to give example of what he expects in us today. 
And that's why you see that the temple was treated in a very sacrosanct manner, showing us an example of how the body is to be treated. We'll get to that in a moment. We are to get perfect and perfection has to do with body and spirit. And the health is important. Third John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So as we study the word and try to prosper in our soul, we must understand that there is a connection between our spiritual life and the body. The body not being clean and in a healthful condition, it is impossible to serve God and be perfected in character unless the body is sympathizing with the spirit and keeping itself in the best condition. You cannot have a perfect character when your body is not in the perfect condition. In Ezekiel 36, reading verse 26 downward, God talks about cleaning us of all our uncleanness. You know that very popular passage that says, A new heart also will I give you? That's verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. Going down to verse 29, God said, I will also save you from all your uncleanness. Do you see that we need to be saved from uncleanness? Do you know that uncleanness is a sin? When we read our Bibles, talks about uncleanness being a sin but many of us do not take note of this uncleanness being a sin but if uncleanness was not a sin why do we need to be saved from it god says i knew how to like give you a new spirit will i put within you and i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and i will give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep them and do my judgments then verse 29 he says and i will cleanse you i will save you rather from all your uncleanness wow so as God is putting a new spirit within us, he wants to save us from our uncleanness because before he puts that spirit within us, he must cleanse us, clean our bodies. We cannot have the fullness of the spirit of God with unclean bodies, with unhealthful bodies. We must take care of our bodies if we must be if we must perfect character. Look at the book of Ephesians now. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 19. He says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to walk all uncleanness. Galatians 5 verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the, upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry and these things that will be removed from us. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7 For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Amen. God says, Ezekiel 36 verse 29, I will save you from all your uncleanness. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, let us therefore perfect holiness in the fear of God by doing what? Cleansing ourselves of all filthiness or uncleanness of the flesh and spirit. Now, our body being the sacred temple of God, God has told us how to treat it. You see, in the old times when there was a temple here on earth, that temple God was using it to teach an object lesson. 
The way that temple was is the way we are to be. What was the purpose for having a temple in the first place? When we read the book of Exodus chapter 25, reading from verse 8, God said there, And let them make me a sanctuary, that's a temple, that I may dwell among them. So, your body is that sanctuary, is that temple. And what is the purpose? That God may dwell in you. And we have seen that in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. The purpose of your body is for the Spirit of God to dwell in you. You are not your own. God owns you and he wants to dwell in you. And he cannot dwell in us except we are kept in a, in a sacred condition. So also the temple of God could not habit the Spirit of God, the Shekinah glory, except it was treated in a particular way. Just as that temple was, so we are to be. Deuteronomy 15 verse 21 says, And if there be any blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind, or have any ill blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. This was a prohibition that nothing that has illness should enter into the temple of God. Every sacrifice brought was to be kept in a particular condition. So also, if we must put anything into our mouths, our eyes, our ears, into this temple of our body, we must ensure that that thing is not sickly food or drinks that will cause harm, that are not in a good condition. Just as the temple, nothing evil, nothing ill, nothing with a blemish or sickness was to come into that temple, so also nothing of a spoiled and terrible bad condition is to enter into this body temple. Deuteronomy 23 verse 18 says, Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the prize or the prize of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So here we see that principle in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 and also reading 16 that says we should not make our bodies members of harlots. That if we are joined with God, we cannot be joined to harlots. Here, we see that the temple of God could not take in any vow that was from harlotry. So also, if this body is the temple of God, we must not use it to be involved in any form of sexual sin. So how does how do we get the wisdom on how to take care of this body? You know, when God told the Israelites to build the temple, he gave them wisdom too. Because of their own selves, they couldn't do it. In the book, of, the book of Exodus 31, reading from verse 1, there it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship and behold i have given with him aholiab the son of ahisamach of the tribe of dan and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted i have put wisdom that they might make all that i have commanded thee Exodus 28 verse 3, there says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. 
the point here is even in the building of the temple of god god gave wisdom and today god is giving us wisdom as he gave to Aholiab and Bezalel and all the men that were wise-hearted on how to build that temple. Sacred work, so also this our temple, body temple. God is going to give us wisdom as we go subsequently in our devotion. We have seen already in our devotion for today that since this body is sacred, we cannot just eat and drink anyhow. We must use our intelligence. Some people today are engaging in what they call a fast and depriving the body of nutrition, claiming that it makes them more spiritual. As we read here in Devotion, our high calling, page 265, paragraph 4, it says, We are not to pamper the appetite and indulge in the use of that which is not for our good, simply because it gratifies the palate. So the first condition in taking care of the body, don't eat just anything you like to eat just because it's tasteful to you. You must understand that you must follow God intelligently. Secondly, it says, Neither are we to seek to live by the starvation plan with the idea that we shall become spiritually minded and that God shall be glorified. Some people are fasting today, but they are actually following the starvation plan. Go and read the book of Isaiah chapter 58 and understand what the true fast means. It does not mean that you deprive your body of nutritious food. The body needs nutrition and you must ensure that you are supplying it the nutrition in the right way, the right time also. And also the body must work in the right way, not overworking and not underworking. All these things are to be done properly and we will look at these things subsequently in detail. We are not to follow the indulgence plan. Or the starvation plan thinking that that's what will make us spiritual when you deprive your body of food and nutrition we are to walk intelligently we must use the intelligence that god has given in order that we may be perfect in body soul and spirit that we may have a symmetrical character a well-balanced mind and do perfect work for the master this is what we must do following God intelligently. So, we're going to be looking at these things as days goes by to understand how to take care of this body temple. If there's one thing you should be impressed with today, be impressed with the message, you are not your own. This your body must be purified of all uncleanness and filthiness of the flesh. The question then is what is uncleanness? We have seen a few things already like fornication. When you fornicate, you make you defile the body and make it uninhabitable for the Spirit of God. God wants to dwell in us. It is now our duty to keep ourselves clean. If God cannot stay in a camp, an environment that is unclean, how can he stay in a body that is unclean? God has given instructions on how to keep the body clean. And it is our duty to follow those instructions if we must perfect character. May God give us the wisdom to know these things and to put them in practice is my prayer. Amen. Amen. This devotion is calling our attention to the temple again. So many things to talk about that for us to understand the purpose of the temple, we must know the structure. 
the text is actually saying, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That you're not your own, you've been bought with an infinite price? By pouring the whole treasure of heaven into this world, by giving us in Christ all heaven, God has purchased the will, the affection, the mind, the soul, and every human being. So let us now study the anatomy, the structure of that temple. Because there was a time when God asked the remnant a question. In Haggai chapter 2 verse 3 he says, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? As we look around us today, do you see God's glory being reflected? Now the house being talked about here in Haggai, was the house where the temple that Solomon built. Now let us read the account. You see, the former house was really glorious. When Solomon completed the temple, the inner walls of the sanctuary was overlaid with pure gold. So much so that when you touch any path of the inner walls, you will touch pure gold. And when the lights of the seven branch golden candlestick is on, it flashes on the world and it is then reflected around the whole building with perfect luminosity. You see, it took Solomon about seven years to complete the temple. And he was not walking alone. Solomon had arranged for 70,000 men to be carrying burdens and 80,000 stone cutters in the mountain to be cutting out stones, materials for the work. And he had 3,600 supervisors. And these are all besides skilled men like carpenters, masons, goldsmiths. He even brought expatriates like Hiram, skillful to walk in gold and in silver and in brass, in iron, in stone and in timber, all in purple, in blue and in fine linen. And he requested that he brings his cunning men and algum and fir tree from Tyre. It was a great house. In fact, Solomon himself said in Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5, And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods. Of surpassing beauty and unrivaled splendor was the palatial building which Solomon and his associates erected for God and his worship, garnished with precious stones, surrounded by spacious courts with magnificent approaches and lined with carved cedar and burnished gold. The temple structure with its broidered hangings and rich furnishings was a fit emblem of the living church of God on earth. It was a beauty and during the dedication God honored the work with his presence. Second Chronicles Chapter 5 says that when the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. It is impossible to describe the beauty and splendor of this sanctuary. Into this place the sacred ark was born with solemn reverence by the priest. Now note, 
because in Prophet and Kings 47, God had warned Solomon against the evil of apostasy and foretold the awful result of sin. Had Solomon continued to serve the Lord in humility, his entire reign would have exerted a powerful influence for good over the surrounding nations, nations that had been so favorably impressed by the reign of David, his father, and by the wise words of the magnificent works. But we, we, we remember what Solomon did later, how he stopped walking with the Lord. So God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to destroy this temple about 400 years later. God had already warned that in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 21, And this house, which is high, shall be as an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall see why had the Lord done thoughts unto this land and unto this house. And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore had he brought all this evil upon them. You see, there was a time when people from all over the world went to Israel, they go to Israel to see the temple. It was a wonder of the world. But God is saying that if they refuse to walk with him, that thing that brought them, what they thought was bringing them the glory, will be an astonishment because of disobedience. And so when the temple was destroyed, when the remnant of Israel returned from Babylon, they said, okay, let us build a temple. Let us have a place where we can meet together and worship. And so they began to build a temple. They did not have what Solomon had. And so they managed to put a structure together. And during the dedication, this was the account. This is what happened in Ezra chapter 3, verse 12. It said, But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men that had seen the first house, when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy. Isn't it funny what was going on here? Those who saw the temple with in its glory, and when they were they were seeing this new building now, they were weeping because it was not it was nothing in comparison to the first. They were weeping. But those young people that did not see Solomon's temple, they were rejoicing. Oh, now we have a building! Isn't it funny how some people are quick to send their pictures on Facebook, and people praise them for their beauty when? The doctor who is looking at the test result is weeping for them. Let us go back to the story of the sanctuary again in Christ in his sanctuary, page 34. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And full directions were given for the construction of the tabernacle. By their apostasy, the Israelites forfeited the blessings of the divine presence and for the time rendered impossible the erection of of a sanctuary for God among them. You see, as the people forsook God, his presence left them. Ezekiel saw the Spirit of the Lord leaving the temple. What happened? The account is in Prophet and Kings 448. It says, In the sixth year of the reign of Zedekiah, the Lord revealed to Ezekiel in vision some of the abominations that were being practice in Jerusalem and within the gates of the Lord's house and even in the inner court 
the chambers of images and the pictured idols, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel, all these in rapid succession passed before the astonished gaze of the prophet. Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 10. Those who should have been spiritual leaders among the people, the ancient of the house of Israel, to the number of seventy, were seen offering incense before the idolatrous representations that had been introduced into hidden chambers within the sacred precincts of the temple court. The Lord seeth us not. The men of Judah flattered themselves as they engaged in their heathenish practices. The Lord had forsaken the earth. They blasphemously declared there were still greater abominations for the prophet to behold at a gate leading from the outer to the inner court he was shown women weeping for Thammuz and within the inner court of the Lord's house at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Beloved, there are very deep anti-type lessons from the visions of Ezekiel. All we've just read is happening in the temple of the Lord today, in our own body. We have turned our back towards the Lord. The message coming from the sanctuary, know you not that the, your body is the temple of the Lord? We've turned our back towards the message. But we are in the church, beloved. We are sitting in the church, but our backs are turned toward the sanctuary. Oh, our women, they are in the church, but they are weeping for Tammuz. Like Lord's wife, their feet are on the plain. Their feet is in the church, but their heart is in Sodom. Oh, our brother just told us the connection, the relationship between the temple and fornications. All kinds of creeping things. Women allow themselves, have allowed themselves to be used by all kinds of creeping things. All kinds of abominable beasts are creeping into the body. It is a mind-blowing scientific fact that when the Bible says that a man and a woman, when they come together in marriage, they both of them become one. That when a man, when a woman meets a man and he releases those semen into her body, it will stay about four days roaming in her body. Now think about it, ladies, how you go about collecting diseases from people, carrying all those things from different people, from moving from one bird to another. How dangerous, how dangerous the practice is. Don't you know the reading saying that your body is the temple of the Lord, that you're driving the Holy Spirit from thy body? Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. The reading says in the fourth paragraph, It is our duty to train and discipline the body in order that we shall render the, to the master the highest possible service. Simply because it gratifies the palate, neither are we to seek to live by a starvation plan. The idea that we shall become spiritually minded and that God shall be glorified. Our brother talked about this. But the other group is the group that always seek to gratify their palate. They will throw anything into their body. Isaiah says in 65 verse 4, 
which remain among the graves and lodge in the mount monuments which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in is in their vessels when you tell them to watch what they eat they will tell you oh i don't want to lose weight i will not get enough nutrition you see there is a lack of trust in god they're actually saying can god furnish a table in the wilderness they will eat denatured devitalized demineralized foods low in fiber and roughages in turn they will have poor elimination which leads to constipation which makes them and their blood stagnant and with this stagnation the blood becomes filled with debris and morbid mucus of undigested decay food particles and these have been reabsorbed these deadly toxins have been reabsorbed in the body so the question is what are you doing to the temple of the lord see that how, how we lay the foundation of miseries and how dare any of us invite the holy spirit to live in this cesspool of filth we must do fit service i'll read now from third volume of the testimonies 140 says disease has been transmitted from parents to children from generation to generation infants in the cradle are miserably afflicted because of the sins of their parents so we see how dangerous our practices are the sacred temple of the body must be kept pure and uncontaminated thus God's holy spirit may dwell therein i'll take again the third volume of the testimonies page 140 because you understand that whenever the bible is calling our attention to reforms like this we will be thinking about ourselves but we don't even realize that we're passing these things to other generation that's how iniquity has been visited by the third and fourth generation so disease has been transmitted from parents to children from generation to generation infants in the cradle are miserably afflicted because of the sins of their parents which have lessened their life force their wrong habits of eating and dressing and their general dissipation are transmitted as an inheritance to their children many are born insane deformed blind deaf and a very large class are deficient in intellect the strange absence of principle which characterize this generation and which is shown in their disregard of the laws of life and health is astonishing ignorance prevails upon this subject while light is shining all around them with the majority their principal anxiety is what shall i eat what shall i drink and wherewithal shall i be clothed notwithstanding all that is said and written in regard to how we should treat our bodies appetite is the great law which governs men and women generally now we're told in councils on health 576 great care should be taken to form right habits of eating and drinking the food eaten should be that which will make the best blood the delicate organs of digestion should be respected god requires us by being temperate in all things to act our part toward keeping ourselves in health he cannot enlighten the mind of a man who makes a cesspool of his stomach 
he does not hear the prayers of those who are walking in the light of the sparks of their own kindling. Now there is a very, very clear warning and a clear principle by which God bases all his commandments. In Christ, in his sanctuary, page 35 it says, For the building of the sanctuary, great and expensive preparations were necessary. Note, a large amount of the most precious and costly material was required, yet the Lord accepted only free will offerings. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering, was the divine command repeated by Moses to the congregation. Devotion to God and a spirit of sacrifice were the first requisite in preparing a dwelling place for the Most High. I repeat, devotion to God and a spirit of sacrifice were the first requisite in preparing a dwelling place for the Most High God. So today, if we are called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is a reasonable service, we must understand that to do that, we must have devotion. We must be devoted to God. And we are ready to sacrifice our taste. What has that taken done for you? All those things we are holding on to that is contrary to the word of the Lord. What have they done for us? It is a great sacrifice to build God's temple. And the first requisites, devotion and sacrifice. As God implants this in our hearts and we understand that it is time to seek the Lord until he rains righteousness upon us. Let us say like Samuel to the people, come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Let us renew the kingdom of, of God in our hearts. Let us rebuild the temple of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be to thy holy name. O Lord, we see great lessons from your word today. We see you calling us into a greater sphere than we have ever walked. We see that we must render perfect obedience and perfect service unto thee. Lord, these things are high, but all your obedience, we've been told, are enabling. Whatsoever you've called us is because you have the equipment ready. Lord, you just want a willing heart. Help us, O Lord, come to this place where we will surrender totally to your word and let you lead. And by faith, let us learn to follow thee, even in these stormy times. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen.